This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And we're talking beer today. And I have a great guest here, Chris Drosner, the executive editor of Milwaukee Magazine. But more importantly, for the purposes of this particular podcast, the Wisconsin Beer Baron. He's a longtime columnist and chronicler of the Wisconsin beer scene, now for the Wisconsin State Journal. He also hosts the Badger Beer Hour. And he's the guy I follow for all sorts of statewide beer news and trends and, and what's happening, openings, closings, new breweries to check out, new beers to check out. So Chris, thanks for taking the time and, and joining us here on a Thursday night on the podcast. My pleasure, Miles. Thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to talk to you a lot about industry-wide, what's going on in the state of Wisconsin, where is the beer scene going from your viewpoint, but maybe first get started. Like, Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be I mean, you're the editor of Milwaukee Magazine now, but you've been writing about beer for a long time. How did you get into that? Because, I don't know, 15 years ago, it beer was pretty simple <laughs> up here and in, in, in the state. <laughs> yeah, it was. And so was I in terms of what I was doing with beer. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a Green Bay native and I was lucky enough to have my first job out of college be back at my hometown paper. So I worked at the Green Bay Press Gazette for about six years and as a as a twenty something, you know, in the newsroom, I was working at the I was working on the copy desk at the time. But I, you know, like I would be going out to bars and I would be drinking beer and and, and <laughs> going to live music and, you know, in small newsrooms, you kind of end up doing whatever works, you know. And I, I started writing a bar column called the the Club Crawl, I guess. I think it was Club Crawling or something. What were the clubs in Green Bay at this time? <laughs> It was a little fanciful, the name, I guess. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, you know, neighborhood dives and yeah. that sort of thing. Those are the best ones anyway. There, Crawling there up were, Broadway? There were some clubs. Yeah, Broadway and, you know, like the downtown area. I remember what was the one? Um, oh, man, this is going way back. It's too far back for, for me to <laughs> remember that one, that stuff very well. But but relevant to this conversation, the, the guy who was doing this beer column didn't want to do it anymore. And being that person you know, the, edit, the the lifestyle editor asked me if I wanted to take it over. And I was like, sure. And it was this, it was this column that was written like in the third person, like he would refer to himself in the third person as the brew guru. So it was like this persona of like this kind of haughty guy that was written in a, a voice that would, that would at the time, even I, I recognize that this even at the time, you know, just a few years out of college that this is not my writing voice at all. But <laughs> I kind of adopted that and, and, and started just kind of doing like a beer of the week type thing. Okay. And, and very dilettante not, not knowing a lot about styles and guidelines and the brewing process or any of that stuff. I was just kind of, you know, I was drinking beer and I would write it, could write about beer. So that was, that was the extent of it. But when I, when I started at the state journal a few years later, I actually continued to do the, the brewer for the uh, press gazette, but, Eventually, the, the lifestyle editor at the State Journal found out and was like, well, do you, can you do that for us instead? I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Just didn't think you wanted that. <laughs> that was what he really when it went, became more, much more professional. You know, I started really being more of a journalist instead of just kind of a beer writer, you know. Sure. And so I started really tapping into the scene, 
meeting brewmasters. My first real foray into this was I sat down in Kirby Nelson's office when he was back at this back when he was at Capitol sure. around uh, this was 2011, and started. And he just kind of like. I mean, that one conversation opened my eyes. He took me through the brewery and, and then we just talked about beer for like an hour and a half or something. And it was, it was super eye opening. I mean, by that point I had, I had really started to learn a lot more, but you know, as far as what it takes to make a great beer, I, I, I didn't, I, well, I mean, I still don't really know <laughs> that much, but it, you know, I knew, I knew a lot more after that conversation than I did before. But, you know, just a side note for, for the listeners who don't know Kirby Nelson, but like him, he, yeah, you know, early, it's kind of gets lost in the shuffle because there's so much now, but Capital was one of those early craft breweries up here and, and Kirby was the guy behind creating some of their flagships that became really popular and kind of opened a lot of people's eyes, opened my eyes to different beers. I mean, I think Capital Amber might've been the first beer other than Spotted Cow that I drank that wasn't, you know, your, your college Bush Lights, Bud Lights and all that, so... Yeah, a lot of Wisconsin residents, like if you, he probably made your first Doppelbach, your first Oktoberfest, <laughs> you know, a, a, a really influential brewery and, and a really amazing character too. Like he is big personality. He's a great ambassador for beer. <laughs> and so, you know, if, and now he, and he's now at uh, Wisconsin Brewing Company, which is now under the Lake Louis brand. So, okay, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, there are a lot of really, kind of big personalities in beer. I think this is everywhere, but certainly in Wisconsin and, you know, thinking about like Russ Klish at Lakefront, mm -hmm. you know, certainly Kirby and um, Tom Porter who founded Lake Louie and, and joined up with Wisconsin Brewing Company about four or four or five years ago now, I think. And a lot of the, you know, kind of younger breweries have, have really cool and interesting people that are a lot of fun to talk to. So, I mean, like this is a job kind of, but like it's, it's a lot of fun covering this, scene and you know being kind of shoulder to shoulder with so much over the past like you know 13 years or whatever is kind of when i really consider it to be the, like the real deal you know when the development and the evolution of this industry in, in the state has been really fascinating to kind of chronicle yeah it's it's pretty wild like i for a time i ran a husby's bar up in sister bay with my brother in my early 20s and but i would not say that i knew anything about good taste in beer at the, that time. And Capital Amber was one of the first ones. And yeah. you might have, if you, if you saw a different type of tap handle at that time, it might've been Capital or Spotted Cow, uh, New Glarus of some kind. That was about it at the time. If, if you were branching out and getting wild. And uh, then it wasn't until we started the Door County Beer Festival in 2012, I think, that I kind of got introduced to just the whole wide world that was going on. Because it hadn't hit Door County yet. You still just had one, you had shipwrecked up here and nothing else. And there wasn't a lot of explosion throughout the state. Maybe Michigan had already caught wind of this whole idea of making different beers again. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was then diving into it and getting, meeting these guys at the beer festival and then actually starting to follow you and, and read your stuff. Started to learn a lot more about what was going on up here. And I still... Like you said, I don't know anything about making beer. I mean, I, the, the basics, but I love talking to those guys because so many of them are so passionate about it and it's something new to learn. And as you hit your forties, it's always great to find something that's totally new to you, like hockey or something. But <laughs> so you start back then and it's a pretty small, but exciting thing. And it kind of takes off. Like, I guess, what's that been like watching this evolution? It, it's been pretty much constant growth, you know, since, since that time, 
and it really even back in the in the Bruger days of the early or you know the mid mid early to mid two thousands, like that was all you know the the trend was that breweries were opening and it was still proliferation. In a larger sense, that's still true. You know, the the number of breweries in Wisconsin and nationwide has I think nationwide has continued to increase every year. But you're starting to see closures now. And I well, I guess I'm kind of underselling that that growth period because it, it was a lot. I mean, there were new breweries, you know, I was kind of focused on I mean, certainly covering things statewide, but you know, more focused on Madison and, and so that 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 action kind of happened in the, I would say the mid 2000, mid 2010s mostly, and really kind of continued apace until basically the pandemic. And then in Milwaukee, you had, you know, a big boom of, of breweries that opened in, Milwaukee was always an, an underbrewery town, which is crazy because, <laughs> you know, but I think, but Miller, I mean, like that, that presence kind of, I don't know if it choked out like i mean you know so many so many people in that city like had an like either worked at the brewery or had an uncle who worked at the brewery or a cousin or a brother yeah or you know have some kind of connection to uh, maybe to the distributor you know i mean like the the beer industry is really large there and it's because of the really large brewery there so i think that kind of tamped down demand for a little while hmm. until like 2016 2017 was when that completely changed. And there were, and and I, I, we have to acknowledge here, Milwaukee Brewing Company and Lakefront Brewery were both there uh, for a really long time. I mean, Lakefront is the, I think it's the second or third oldest brewery and craft brewery in the state. So, you know, there was a presence. Phenomenal brewery tour as well. Yes. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And, and, and just a great brewery period. Home of the, the original Bernie Chalet is still at Lakefront Brewery, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. The, the old Bernie Chalet from County Stadium is, yeah. is uh, in the brewery there. Yeah. But, but I mean, Lakefront is a great brewery and, and that's, and I think that, you know, they had, so they had two pretty big craft breweries and then they had the big, the big brewery. So I, I don't think that there was, there wasn't a lot of pull for the, the kind of model that you saw in Madison, which was a lot of, you know, brew pubs and, you know, kind of smaller breweries and uh, you know, whether they're oriented toward packaging or kind of just the more of the taproom, you know, brew pub type experience, like the Great Dane, you know, that wasn't really happening in Milwaukee. And then, and then all of a sudden it, it was, and that kind of boom has slowed, but it's really continued. And I think the, you know, people have recognized that, Hey, this is the thing and it's good. And, you know, it's, it's worth doing. So, you know, all through that period was just kind of steady growth. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and one of the big trends over the past decade or so has been, I kind of, I kind of alluded to it, but is, is the trend toward, you know, breweries having their own place. And the, the cause of this is, is pretty simple. Like when you're making a six pack of beer and selling it out in the world, that's typically going through a distributor. So you're selling to your, your, your actual customer, I guess, is the distributor. And then the distributor sells it to your retailers, mm-hmm. uh, which in this case is restaurants and bars, grocery stores, bottle shops, whatever. But if you have a tap room and you're selling a pint of beer for $6 to a customer directly, the markup on that on that point is, oh man, I, I would guess maybe ten times more profit on on that than a six pack of bottles or cans that you're selling to a distributor. I think at one point I talked to a folks over at Door County Brewing Company early on, John McMahon and his boys, mm-hmm. and they had one of the reasons they expanded into a a large local tap room was, you know, they could try and distribute all over the place, and a whole pallet of beers 
bottled beer going out the door might bring them back less than a couple of beers sold in the tap room because the margins are mm-hmm. so small and the distributor right. gets his cut and you got to pay for the bottling and all these other th- aspects of it. And the days, those early days of the up to 2000, I don't know, maybe like 14, 15, when there weren't so many breweries. So if you were a craft brewer, you might be able to, and you correct, you know more about this than I do, but like, it seems to me that like early on, you could be a good local craft brewery and you could get on tap handles and then you grow a little bit and you might be able to get a lot of tap handles at bars and restaurants and, and grow pretty like slowly because there wasn't as much competition, but like build a big business in a distribution model. And then mm-hmm. as you got more and more craft breweries, you know, keeping one beer handle on your taps as a bar owner, when there's so many different things people want to try now, you're like, okay, we'll go through a couple of barrels and then we're going to rotate that out. And mm-hmm. that's a more difficult model because as a bar owner back in the day, like that's the big thing that the, the reps want to sell. They want to get that tap handle on and they, cause once it's on, they could keep it there for years, you know, and that kind of model went away and that competition became tougher. No, that's, that's spot on. And I guess one, one other thing that's kind of driving that, that we haven't really mentioned is, is the consumer part of it, right? Like once people started kind of recognizing that, Hey, local breweries are a thing. One of the expectations became when people were traveling was that they wanted local beer. Yeah. And I think part of it's it an was, attraction. yeah, I mean, it, like anytime I go, anytime I'm traveling, if I'm out East or out West or whatever, I want to have a local beer because it's something that I've never had before. And of course it'll be, it'll probably be very similar to something that I've had before, but there is true local culture in that glass or mm-hmm. in that six pack or whatever. And if the brewery is doing it right, like Door County really did from the start, Door County Brewing, that is, you know, there's a local story that's tied to it. There's some, some kind of like terror of the area that makes its way into the, uh, I hate the word brand, but mm-hmm. you know, into that, what, into what they're, what they're projecting and selling and, and ultimately making like, you know, the, like, hopefully there's something in, in the actual glass that's kind of local at least too, or, right. or has some kind of you know reflection of, of the place. And another aspect that's made it a lot easier for people to focus on local is that small breweries have gotten a lot better. You know, the I think that there has been a steady increase in quality, and and you see this on the national level too, because you know back in 2012 or whatever, like if you were going to have uh, a craft beer and you wanted it to be good, you would probably go for one of the you, you know you mentioned Lagunitas, like yeah okay, let's go with a, a double IPA from Lagunitas because we know that's going to be good. Or Green Flash is a pretty good example yeah. because you know they're from up in California. And they, they started all these, all these breweries from outside the state started opening sales in Wisconsin. And that was really my column for probably a good four or five years was like, Hey, there's a new brewery in Wisconsin. Here's what they're all about. And here's what's good from them. And I, I still do that. I was going to say, I still do that, but I can't remember the last time I did that. I don't think because it's, it's really slowed down and because a, it's so saturated with breweries from everywhere. But I think the, the quality of, beer that's made in Wisconsin or, or, or any pick a state, any state really, it has, has increased a lot. And people want that local people want to support local businesses. Mm-hmm. It's part of the eat local grow, you know, buy local, all of that. There's, there's an ethos there that that's driving consumer behavior. So, you know, you put all that together and that kind of gets us to where we are or where we were, maybe is a better way <laughs> to put it because, you know, 2020 was, 
I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, we had already started to see that national or, or, or super regional kind of business model for breweries start to, to fail. You know, Green Flash opened up a brewery in Virginia Beach, I think, and to go by coastal. And a lot of breweries, a lot of the big breweries did this, particularly ones on, on the coast. Mm-hmm. And that closed pretty quickly and they pulled back out a ton of states. Breweries that were like kind of doing the regional thing really, really disappeared in the last couple of years before, before the pandemic. And, and then when the pandemic hit, everything just got really super weird because, you know, most breweries were, were oriented toward a model that was something close to 50, 50, as far as like packaging, you know, um, cans and bottles versus draft. So, you know, and all that draft of course goes to, I guess your, 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 you know, tap room, but, but also, other restaurants, bars, yeah. local bars, whatever, or wherever you're selling it. So 50% of the, that's a, that's maybe 40 or 30, you know, depending on the brewery, but mm-hmm. you know, a huge chunk of, of the business was completely disrupted and it, it disappeared immediately, immediately. So they had to shift, figure out ways to shift production. But the big thing was that there were all these breweries that were focused on selling over the counter to their customers. I mean, for many, for many breweries that opened, you know, in the, from say 2017, maybe to 2020, the, that's what they did. They, they just wanted to make, you know, maybe a few hundred barrels of beer a year and just, just do the taproom thing. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't worried about, you know, they certainly didn't want a distributor agreement. They didn't want, <laughs> they weren't really worried about selling kegs, even to the like restaurants and stuff. They just, if, if you want, if you want our beer, you come here, that's okay. And then it becomes a, a you know, neighborhood or community gathering place and all that stuff. So all that went away. And how do you react to that? You know, and some closed, some, you know, just kind of suffered, you know, people think of like, well, okay, well, we, we made it to 2021 or maybe even not, maybe not even 2021, but say fall 2021. So we're out of the clear, but, but these, these are businesses that, you know, that those are wounds that still matter a year or two or three years, even later. Yeah, and you know we saw here in Wisconsin we saw some pretty big breweries fail. We had Ale Asylum in Madison shut down in 2022. That was a big one. That was a big one. That was one of the. I mean, they were probably certainly in the top ten, maybe even the top like five or six breweries in Wisconsin by production. And culturally, they were one that took it maybe in a little bit different direction for the state too, right? If I'm recalling that correctly, like they were in that early boom years, like they were like, Hey, this is this cool new place. This is this place I've discovered. And then to, so when I heard that they were closing, I, I was really shocked. Yeah. I mean, and especially in Madison, you know, I think they were the, they were the brewery in town, you know, I mean, capital is in Middleton and, and they're there, but they, but they had been struggling for a while to kind of find their footing after Kirby left. And, you know, I think, I mean, Madison was kind of defined by its small breweries, I think, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, as far as, you know, like when you go to, well, and of course, Nuclearis, I mean, I can't believe we, it took us this long to, to say the word Nuclearis, but. Well, it, randomly, I ran into Deb and Dan uh, a few hours ago, actually, at, at the Cornerstone okay. here in Bailey's Harbor. They said to say hi to you. I said, hey, I'm talking to Chris Drossner. <laughs> like, oh, say hi to Chris. So, <laughs> hi, Chris. <laughs> They're great. Right. I, I love running. Hi, Dan, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a place. They've got a place up there. And yeah. I know they spend a lot of time there. So, but you know, as far as Madison goes, I mean, certainly like if there were bars where you would have Miller Bud and yada, yada, and then you might have two craft taps and one would be spotted cow and one would be capital Amber probably. But then, 
you know, starting around 2008, maybe 2009, it was Hopalicious, you know, that mm-hmm. was, that was yeah. and, and it was different from those beers because it was on that hoppy profile that, that really drove the boom in craft beer, you know, like mm-hmm. IPA has been the kind of the, the, the driver of, of kind of new, new business to the craft market, you know, because it's just different than, you know, beer that people have had been used to it right. for so long. But, oh yeah, Ale Sound, Ale Sound closed. And the other big one was Milwaukee Brewing, which was, you know, the second oldest craft brewery in, in Milwaukee. And, you know, with Louis Demise had a, had a, had a decent statewide presence, you know, especially early in the craft years. And those are obviously big breweries, you know, yeah. that that's one thing that, you know, there, there were, there were some small breweries that closed as well, but. Well, some of these places talking about the closures, what, and obviously we're not in the business. There's a lot of factors that lead to any business closing, but what happened here? Are these breweries that tried to get too big, too fast? Did they take a big swing to be the big guy? Did they invest too much in a tap room? Like, what is it that seems to be the thing that's, or do they just get surpassed? I don't know. What, what, what's causing some of these ones that are kind of sort of like local legendary breweries going bottom up? Yeah. I mean, well, it's a, it's a lot of things, but I mean, the, the big, the elephant in the room for both of those breweries is that they built really big breweries and couldn't meet the requirement that that kind of capital investment demands. Right. So Ala Sound built theirs. It was a while ago now. I think they opened it. I think they opened their big new brewery in maybe 2013, 2014, something like that. So that's a, that's a much slower burn. But their their brewery was something like, man, I want to say tens of thousands of barrels of capacity. And when you're only turning, I think they might have topped out around 20,000 barrels. So, you know, you're if, if you're only operating at 50% of your capital investment as a brewery, that's that's bad news. And obviously they, it wasn't a straight, you know, straight shot for them, but you know, some of the trends in craft beer have lately have been to be a lot more exploratory and try the new thing. Mm-hmm. And Ale Asylum was not the new thing. They, they certainly had new beers coming out and a lot of them were really good, but they were old and yeah. that was a liability for them. And They're I think the same thing there. happened with Milwaukee. Yeah, right, right. I mean, the same thing happened with Milwaukee to a, a much more extreme degree because they opened their brewery in 2018, 2018, I think maybe 2019 even. And it was huge, huge right in downtown Milwaukee yeah. or kind of on the edge of downtown Milwaukee. It's like, it was like two blocks or three, it is like three blocks from Pfizer forum, mm-hmm. you know, so high rent area and a gorgeous, humongous brewery. And when I was walking through that, I got a tour kind of before it opened and he was showing me all around. I was like, Holy, Holy crap. What, like, how are you going to like, how is, are they, is this like, you're going to be making Louis demise in here? Like it seemed, it seemed really big at the time. And the, what, the way that they were talking about the market and where they saw where the market was and where I, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I cover these things and I talked to a lot of brewers about these kinds of things and nobody was saying the same things that, that MKE was saying. Hmm. And uh, yeah, three years later, they closed, sold the brewery. And both of these brands still exist. So this is, this is kind of what, this is one thing that happens when a big brewery fails is that the beer actually tends to live on, in, at least in some way. So Carbon 4, which is a, a Madison brewery that actually moved into the, the place that Ale Asylum moved out of, <laughs> they ended up buying the recipes and the branding and the, you know, the logos and all that stuff. They just started making this just, just this year started making Hopalicious and now they're doing um, Ambergeddon and Unshadowed, the, their Hefeweizen. Hmm. 
So they're they're continuing to make these beers because the problem wasn't that the, nobody wanted these beers. The problem was that they didn't want enough of it to justify that that big expensive new brewery. Yeah, that's really simplifying things because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff under the hood of the business practices that I don't know about, and maybe they were they, maybe they were net positives, maybe they were net negatives, but we don't really know. And those things can be really major factors in whether a place survives or not. You know, when there's like a stress test like this pandemic and the changing, you know, beer market and everything. So it's easy to oversimplify, but there's no question that these new breweries were major issues for both of these, for both MKE and Ale Asylum. Hmm. Up here in Door County, like that pandemic impact was like the, yeah. the one thing that tap rooms were kind of well prepared for is that most of them had beer gardens and yeah. you had the pandemic and you have, you know, Door County Brewing Company has has a beer garden. One Barrel has a huge outdoor seating area, mm-hmm. so they became places like, okay, I want to see my family. I want to hang out together. We don't want to be inside. Let's go to One Barrel and sit outside around a fire. Let's go to mm-hmm. Door County Brewing Company. Then let's go to the Cherry Hut, which is Bridge Up's like beer garden in in Northern Door County. And then Peach Barn opens, and that becomes also the same thing. So it it yeah, you know, an odd way. Some of these huge indoor tap rooms were turned out to be terrible investments, not because of anything anyone could have predicted, but like, hey, you have this huge indoor space and now you have a pandemic. Nobody wants to try going there. That's that's crushing places. But the places with those beer gardens, which a lot of restaurants, Door County was very slow to, for a place that has incredible natural amenities, took us a long time to get to the point where we actually like had a ton of great outdoor dining. But in the last five years mm-hmm. that happened and part of that was these tap rooms created that and now other restaurants yeah. have followed suit. So in an odd way, the pandemic was well suited for some of these places or these places were well suited for the pandemic. <laughs> I said that backwards. Yeah. I imagine too that Door County was kind of well suited for that kind of success too, because it's so seasonal that I, you know, the, the summer and fall and, and I guess to some degree spring, are the high like that is yeah. like the, the businesses are geared toward those times and those right. are the times that when you can go outside and have a beer so That's you know I, I both i guess the winter of 2021 and 2021 2022 even i wrote a couple columns and talked a lot about on on the badger beer hour about if you if this is this is crunch time right now like january february in 2020 in you know 2021 Jan, january february and even 2022 january february this is crunch time for these businesses because if in, in, in just like anything, like I think we, I think the pandemic kind of drove home that like, if you want some, if you want to have something around, you got to support it. And I was, I was banging that drum quite a bit with, with your breweries, you know, saying this is always the slowest time for breweries. It's tough to make it through even uh, maybe not tough to make it through, but you know, it's, it's, it's a lean time. It's lean time of the year, even in a, in a normal year this year, a lot of the cushion is gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was concerned that, you know, come April or May or something, we were going to see a lot of closures. I don't know if that really came. To, I, I think I think everything's been a little bit slower than I, than I and maybe a lot of observers kind of expected. In terms of closures? Yeah. In terms of like when those when these traumas from basically almost all of 2020 and then those two winters really kind of manifested. So. But um, yeah, and, and I guess my my point is, Redor County is is that you know a lot of the businesses are just planning on being closed during those a lot of those right, times. Right. Yeah. So, 
that's not as impactful. Yeah, that wasn't as much of a factor, and they were able they were able to capitalize on the high times more so, I think, than kind of you know, say a brewery in Milwaukee or or you know, Wausau or whatever. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Right. And I'll say, like, from a Door County perspective, the people up here, we were all shocked by it. You know, that the first couple of months of COVID, everything was... It was, it was very scary because people are like, this is a tourist community. Who's going to travel? How are people, what's this going to do to our, you know, it's going right into the summer. It's going to s- destroy the time where we have to make this money and then we're not going to have it in the winter. And then by about late June, we just saw this influx of people going, Door County seems like a safe place to go. We'll go up there. Yeah. And we're busier than ever from that point, really, ever since. Mm. Just snowballed. And it in part because they, you know, if some of those changes had started in 2017, 18, 19, where you had more outdoor dining that kind of grew as businesses started to realize it. And then it really paid off in, in that stretch. So where are we now? Like what's working now in, in the industry? Do you see it keep growing? Do you see more closures coming? Is it more local kind of almost like the corner bar tap room sort of thing? Where are we going? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of breweries and kind of the industry at large, distributors, even bars and restaurants are kind of asking the same question. And I, I don't know if there's a clear line. I, I don't know if there's a lot that's changed from the, well, a, a lot of things have changed. I mean, most of the brewers that I talk to are still, you know, they, they see traffic at restaurants way down. This is, you know, outside of like, Door County sounds like it's, it's maybe, maybe a little bit different, but I mean, as far as like local traffic to bars, breweries, tap rooms, all that stuff, sounds like it's still down by a pretty good percentage still. Hmm. So they're tr- everybody's kind of trying to figure out, you know, how to get back to normal or whatever, <laughs> or find a new or find a new normal. Right. And I don't know, I don't think there's a magic bullet yet. I mean, I think there was a magic bullet, you know, five years ago or something when everybody started doing the taproom thing. Yeah. That, that became a pretty clear, like, if you're not doing this, you're missing out big time. I don't think we have that answer yet for this problem of kind of post pan, you know, consumer behavior essentially. But I do think that that I, I, I do think which, what you said is true, that the, the taproom model, you know, I, I, the way I look at these at these breweries is not necessarily replacing other breweries because it's, it's you know, like if I, I live in Wauwatosa, one of the close suburbs of Milwaukee and mm-hmm. two blocks from my house, there's a taproom. They don't brew there, but it's a brewery called the, the Fermentorium in Cedarburg, which is just outside Milwaukee. And they opened a taproom in here in Tosa just kind of be a little bit closer to the action and, you know, the, the reasons that we talked about. Sure. I don't think that tap room is taking away from the six pack of lakefront beer that I might buy tomorrow. Right. Like I'm not going to not buy that, that 
six pack because oh I, I was at the fermentorium the other night and hmm. and maybe I, maybe I did pick up a four pack of cans and brought that home or something so I, I guess it's possible but I don't think in you know I don't think that's a significant factor I do think that it's where those establishments are competing is with bars and to a lesser degree restaurants like you know i can get a like a frozen pizza at that at the fermentorium i can get kind of some snacky things you know that are made there but i'm not going to get like a really good chicken sandwich and some fries you know it's not it's different than that <laughs> yeah. so I, I think they're like i guess if i were a bar owner i'd be more nervous about that but i don't i you know, this has been the environment for quite a while. So I don't know if I would be nervous at all about, <laughs> about where breweries are going because I, I don't, I don't know. I think there's, there's no clear model for what's where to go right now because, or at least there's not any, there's not, I don't see anything that a lot of breweries are doing, you know? I guess maybe the better question is, is there still enough of an appetite for the craft beer market that it continues to grow? Or do you see a retraction coming at some point? Cause like when we started the beer festival, we had to work to find enough Wisconsin breweries to come up and, and taste their beers in, at the indoor County. And by like mm -hmm. third, fourth year, probably like 2014, 15, 16, we're saying no to people. We're getting emails every other day from someone. Hey, we're opening this place. We'd love to come. Hey, we're opening this place. We've been up here for a while. We'd love to come. And part of that is people like to come to door County, but also like there's just this wave of breweries opening. So do you think there's going to be some more like a wave of closures at some point? Or do they just adapt and become smaller and their aspirations change instead of going, we're going to build this huge, yeah. massive nationwide model or the regional model. And that maybe, maybe it's already like out the window for a lot of places and more, it's more of, because there was a time there when there was sort of like this investor class coming into breweries to like, Hey, we're going yeah. to build this up and then we're going to sell it yep. for a billion dollars. Like I think Lagunitas sold for a billion dollars. Uh, and some did, yeah. yeah. Lagunitas sold for a billion dollars. <laughs> and probably at just the right time, too. Yeah, oh yeah. that's That was a good a good move by Tony McGee. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is over. I, I do think that breweries will continue to still open because I think they know they have a different kind of horizon. You know, the vision for what they view as success is, I want to make some good beer. I want to provide a good experience for people to come together and have a good time and have, you know, my neighborhood or my, my community come together. And yeah. I think that is, and, and, you know, and, uh, and I'll make a good product and, and everybody will enjoy it. And that's, and that'll be, that'll be great. And maybe, maybe I'll have a, a nice kitchen and stuff like that. Maybe I'll sell across town or, or, you know, across the peninsula or whatever. But, you know, I think about like Sway, Peach Barn, like, <laughs> you know, these are not the goals, I guess. Are, are just different and they're smaller. And I think that can be viable and that can be good. It's the ones that are, have goals of distributing to 10 states or, you know, to be the next big thing in craft beer. I don't, I don't think there will ever be that anymore. I don't hmm. think the next thing, I don't think there's going to be another big thing in craft beer anymore because I think that moment has passed. And, and, and I think one of the reasons is that there is such good stuff happening wherever you are that you don't really need to have the big thing because it, it's beer has always been kind of a, a populist beverage. You know, it's, it's been something that everybody can drink. It's for everybody. And I think the one thing that's come out of the craft movement that I think has been really good is that it's, it's not exclusive. Like if you, if you think you don't like beer, it's just because you haven't tried enough beer. I, I firmly <laughs> believe that there is something, 
for literally every taste. And I, I think about what that means as far as like, you know, during those 2013, 2014, 2015 years, it was like, oh my God, there's this new barrel aged stout and it's, I'm going to go wait in line for a day for it. And, and, you know, yep. and, and if you're doing that to have a good time while you wait in line and party with your friends and get this thing. And, you know, if, if it's like sneakers for you and you just enjoy the, <laughs> the chase and stuff, that's fine. But I don't, I think a lot of people for, for the most part, it's become a super accessible, really high quality, simple pleasure, simple and affordable luxury in life. And that is what I see from all these small breweries, you know, and they don't have, they don't have to be, they don't all have to be like amazing beers to have a really good experience. You know, it can be a great tap room. It can be a really good sandwich. You know, (laughs) it can be just something that hits the spot on a cold day and has a good patio. You know, there's so many ways to, to kind of create what the goal for these smaller breweries are that it, it makes the idea of like chasing a truck around to get, you know, a four pack of KBS <laughs> in 2015 seemed like just the stupidest thing. And, 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 but, but, but at the same time, like that, you know, there's a lot of parts of the beer business that were built on that special thing, you yeah. know, and this Guild is the place Island. where you go to get that. Yeah. Like, you know, we've, we've had uh, here in Milwaukee, uh, a really nice beer bar called Stubby's closed at the end of 2022. And they had like, I don't, they didn't have a ridiculous number of taps. It was something like 52 maybe or something like that, or, you know, a few dozen, which is, which is a lot, but you know, it's not like one of these like Hopcat, you know, from Michigan mm-hmm. It's a chain of beer bars that one, one came to Madison and, you know, it, they had like a hundred plus taps and you just don't need that. You know, I think no. the excess of the scene of the craft beer culture and scene has been squeezed out by the pandemic and just by kind of trends. I think people got, they got tired of it and they, they tried everything and they found out that the difference between the $40, $50, a $100 bottle of barrel-aged stout that they were waiting in line for and traveling across two states to get was not really all that. The marginal difference between that and the pretty good barrel-aged stout that I can get at the brewery down the street where I know the guy who bartends and I know the guy who owns it because mm-hmm. I met him and, and they're good people and his kid is in there, you know, half the time, like there's a lot of contrast in where it was and where it is. And I, those are the things that I kind of think about when I'm, when I'm doing big picture thinking about the scene, which I'm, I'm grateful for this question because I, I think there's a lot of good things that, that have come out of this, that it's not good for everybody. And the the business part of it is still trying to figure it out. But, but I think if you got your sights set kind of in the, I don't want to say the right place, but in certain places, I think there's still, a good living to be had and uh, a very fulfilling living too. Yeah. I, I think you hit it there. Like good living and fulfilling. Like I think of that with some of the places up here and what attracted me to the beers, like the craft beer scene early on, obviously like I was like, wow, this just tastes good, but also going to tap rooms, discovering stuff, meeting brewers there, learning about a community sort of through the tap room because mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a good tap room would represent sort of a part of its community or a subset of its community. And that's still what attracts me to it today is like you, I go on vacation and I try to go to, Oh, what's the local beer? Let's go to the place where it's where they make it and see what that's like. And if it feels like somebody who's just trying to make a buck off it, you can feel that. And if it's, you know, if it's Trent Snyder behind the counter at uh, bridge ups place in Judville, like I like that. I I feel like I've like just going and seeing him. How's his business doing? 
hanging out in the in the beer garden, hanging out at Peach Barn with with local families and stuff, and like and seeing people committed to the community. That's still what draws me, whether I'm in Door County or on vacation somewhere else. And you can you can feel it when you go into places. You know, before I let you go, because we've gone a while here, and I should, like I, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time about a lot of these business aspects of it because it it's just kind of fascinating to me. But from a straight beer perspective, as a guy who mm-hmm. has tasted beer, writes about beer, has visited so many of these tap rooms, chronicles the industry, but what are your fallback beers when you're just sitting down? What do you go to if you're looking at a list and nothing that grabs you like, I know I'm going to like this. So I'm just, this is my thing that I consistently come back to. Or do you That's have a good one? way to ask that question, Miles? That's a really good way. Because usually it's like, what's your favorite beer? It's like, well, I have a lot of children and I don't have any <laughs> favorites, but a good old reliable. Yeah. I, I this, this is a really complicated question. Or, or, it's not a complicated question, but the, there's so many factors that go into this, like what the beer that you prefer, like, you know, there's, there's like packaging, there's lab, there's the label, there's the name, there's the, of course the, the actual beer itself, you know? And for me, it's like, there's another layer of like, well, I know a lot of these people, you know, and, right. and there's, there's some, there's some, and, and I, I don't profess the, one of the, one of the really like things that I try to avoid is saying that somebody's a like somebody that I know, through the beer industry is like a good, good people. They're good people, you know, because I don't know how they act. I don't know how they treat their staff when I'm not there. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, they're, they're putting on a pretty good face for a journalist, of course, but you, you do hear things and, you know, the people that I know and what I know of them do play into these, these things, you know? So one of them that, that I'm, I'm sadly not going to be able to get this year is Kid Kolsch from New Glarus. Hmm. And I'm sad about that, but their new summer seasonal that just came out, that came out early May and is replacing Kid Kolsch. It's just called New Glarus Pilsner, which tells you something about what they think of that beer, that it doesn't have a funny name like, you know, about a cow or fat squirrel or pick pick your cute animal reference. But this is a (laughs) really straightforward Pilsner and it's really good. I'm publishing a review on it this weekend at the state journal and it is a style that I like very much. And it is not the perfect version of the style that I, that, that would be perfect to me, but I can, I can, Dan Carey is a very, very talented brewer and this is a hundred percent in his wheelhouse. And he cares a lot about making a great Pilsner. And he did, uh, it's not perfect for me, but I, I will be drinking a lot of it this summer and it is, it's probably going to be everywhere. So I would, I would definitely recommend that. One that kind of I think about a lot is Happy Place Yeah, from Third Space here in Milwaukee. It's a hoppier beer. It's a American pale ale, but it's it's just easy. And there's something about the branding of that, the name and the like saying that you want a happy place <laughs> when you're at that, when you're looking at that tap list. Like, yeah. Well, I almost, before this podcast, I bought a six pack today and I, I bought two, two oh, six packs. It's funny you mentioned these two. I bought a Cabin Fever from New Glarus. And uh, I bought a uh, an upward spiral from spiral from Third Space, and that's actually what I've been drinking as we've been recording here. Third Space does great stuff. That's one of the ones that I actually will fall back on sometimes, as long as it's on the menu. You know, early days it would yeah. be like a Lagunitas. I'm like, all right, Lagunitas IPA. I'm gonna like that. I'm gonna be happy. Like, good. If I was just kind of overwhelmed by a menu or just need to make a quick call. Yeah. <laughs> Probably my only non-Wisconsin beer that that falls into that category would be Bell's Two Hearted from Michigan. Yeah. Yep. You know, and and. One, one thing we didn't really mention, we didn't really talk about is that a lot of the national brewing uh, craft beer landscape has changed a ton in the past like six years or so. A lot of the bigger craft breweries have been bought out by 
international concerns like Founders is owned by a Spanish Filipino brewer. What else? Bells is owned is now owned by a of Kirin Lion, which is like Japanese Australian. It's very complicated. <laughs> New Belgium is is now no longer domestically owned either. Goose Island is obviously a big big one. They they were the first one to be bought out by um, Anheuser Busch way back mm-hmm. when. Well, not not the first because Lining Kugels, our own our own Lining Kugels, was like the first craft yeah. beer to be bought by big beer. And that was of course Miller, Miller right? and Amos yeah. Coors. So yeah, I mean, so we've kind of been grappling with this, this idea of ownership versus like location for a while here in Wisconsin. And I, I don't, I don't really care if Molson Coors owns Lining Kugels. I just kind of want to have a summer shandy every now and then or, <laughs> or, you know, one of their loggers. And I guess, I, you know, to kind of to put a final point on that question, I have been doing a lot more of just kind of, shopping, I guess, by style versus by like a specific beer, you know, like I, I really, I really have come to in the past, maybe six or seven years, probably have come to really appreciate and enjoy a lot more than I used to craft lagers. So like, you know, Pilsner or Hellas, you know, some of your more esoteric lagers like Dortmunder or something, you, you occasionally see those, but like before when I, when I would be looking at a, a menu, say, or, or, you know, a bunch of six packs that I wasn't familiar with. If I saw like a pale lager, I would be like, eh, yeah, no, that's not going to be good yeah. because it takes skill to make those beers. And I think, or you would only kind of go there if you trusted the brewer, you know, like right. there are certain breweries that I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try a lager from them. But some might be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but these days I will pretty much try any, any of those. And I will, uh, I'm much more attuned to kind of style than, like safety. And I haven't really, I mean, occasionally there's a stinker, but you know, it was like, I, I think that the skill and the kind of techniques and like knowledge and patience to make these kinds of beers at a small scale, I think there's a lot more of that around these days. And here's the thing. If you like beer, period, if you like beer, like the default for that is you like pale American lager. Like you yeah. like, you like Miller Lite, you like Budweiser, you like whatever, pick your brand. They're all pretty much the same, right? There are plenty of craft breweries that are making beers just like that, that are actually, I don't want to say better, but like they are good and different, but similar enough to the original or or not the original, but the thing that you understand and like that you will find it interesting and engaging without, you know, getting burned. Right. I would encourage, I would encourage some sampling around if, if, uh, I can't imagine that anybody who's listening to this and approaching an hour now <laughs> isn't actually a beer a beer person and would be new to beer but if, if you made it this far and you're not and you're on the fence give it a whirl yeah there you go well you, you mentioned we've been here an hour so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go thank you for taking this time but before i do i do know you have a, a special section in milwaukee as reminded the listeners you're the editor of milwaukee magazine and you are have a, a feature on door county coming up correct yes this issue just dropped it's our may issue and it's our cover story and oh my god that cover image is beautiful it's with a beautiful image from I, I believe the photographer's local up there and yeah it's packed with i gotta imagine that it's not going to be super well i hope that it's insightful for even residents and and frequent visitors to door county but i mean it's it's really meant to be a guide to all the cool stuff and a little bit off the beaten path you know we we're kind of nod to some of the like iconic things like the fish boils and cheese and you know cherries and that sort of thing but we really leaned into the natural beauty, the art scene, you know, thinking about our audience. We know that they are into that stuff. So we really tried to do it in a different way. And that's kind of what we do at the magazine 
generally to, I guess, so it's not super novel approach for us, but it's the first time that we've done uh, a story, let alone a cover story on Door County in quite a bit. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. I was the editor on it. And I'm excited to start getting feedback on it because it's, the issue is just reaching mailboxes, you know, this week. So I hope that people can really uh, get a lot out of it. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I'm sure it's great. Thank you again for the time on the podcast and for all you do for the Wisconsin beer scene. I, it's really great to have somebody who's been doing it for so long, who, who knows so much about it and just kind of informs us of everything that's happening and these trends and, and where we're going. So thanks a lot, Chris. Well, thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it. Good time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.